Welcome to Everyday Superhumans, the podcast restoring your faith in humanity. I'm Kyle. And I'm Charlie. So, as you may have noticed, we have a new tagline now. Because we believe in superhumans. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to, uh, let's face it, kind of news is depressing. We were, our original goal of the uh, show was to encourage people to go out there and do good in their community and show like the bright side of everything. So we decided to change our tagline to a more optimistic one. And after being in journalism, <laughs> I really felt the bad news effects mm. and really wanted some better news in my life. Well, anyways, uh, I have some news for you, Charlie. I'm adopted. Damn it. You stole the words <laughs> out of my mouth. Yes, we've been wanting to tell you this for a while. Actually, you told me this before you before I knew about this, but you're adopted. What? Yeah. That's why I... Uh, I pulled out a Why Am I Adopted book at my uh, parents' house <laughs> the last time I was home. Oh, really? I mean, they waited to tell me until I was 28 years old. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay, I was like, what? I knew when I was a wee lad, probably in first grade. So oh, wow. I felt like I always knew. So they were really open mm-hmm. about it. But there, there's a lot of people involved in adoption, I didn't even know that. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, where this episode comes in. We speak to Adoption Knowledge Affiliates, a.k.a. a.k.a., which I like that. Uh, they are a nonprofit about basically helping people through the adoption process after, like, trying to find their birth parents typically, right? Is it the usual process? No. Okay. <laughs> no. It's been about a month since we recorded this episode. <laughs> no, I mean, they they not only help that they don't help to try and find the birth parents because that's not oh, yeah, that's how true, they yeah. do they're yeah. they're not uh an agency they're a support method mm-hmm. for maybe people that are trying to go through that process and also for the birth families that are maybe looking for their um children basically or the adopted family members to to get through why their child would be looking for their birth family so you you were wrong (laughs) okay i was completely wrong (laughs) no you you were you were kind of right okay i was partially there it was a really uh, interesting episode because i didn't know that i didn't know anything about adoption you came in like with loads of stories about this it's like how when we did the austin and astronomical society yeah i knew like everything about it no i didn't know jack and now it's the opposite this time i don't know about this topic and charlie was the the beacon of knowledge for this also not to mention our guests today jason and jennifer they were fantastic resources uh they both are adoptive parents themselves so they've been through this process they uh jennifer at least is a lawyer so she could she can navigate all the legalese and it it was a really fascinating episode i don't want to talk too much about it but before we go on to the episode though just one uh, small favor we'd like to request of you Austin Chronicle is doing their uh, Best of Austin Awards soon. And right now it's the prelim nomination rounds. If you could go to the link in the show notes, I'll throw it in there. Uh, You go to the favorite podcast section of the Austin Chronicle and just type in Everyday Superhumans and you could fill in whatever you want to fill into, like your favorite sports reporter, your favorite uh, bars here in Austin. The list is huge. And then you can support your favorite nonprofits too in supporting our podcast because we give spotlight to those nonprofits so it's a win-win situation for everybody. 
Well, this has been a really talkative intro. Uh, let's cut the let's cheese. Cut the cheese. I was gonna say trim the fat. Did you fart? <laughs> let's Whoops. let's cut to the chase <laughs> and get straight to Jennifer and Jason of AKA. AKA. <laughs> AKA. 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 No, you've been around for twenty five years. Mm-hmm. So if you uh, if those She's been there the whole time. Really? Yes. <laughs> Wait, was very that? young, young. <laughs> Way to uh, show her age. <laughs> no, <just laughs> yeah, like, okay. Thanks a lot, man. No, actually, I mean, we're celebrating our 25th year this year and our education meeting back in June where all of our pioneers came back and we celebrated that 25th anniversary. But really kind of the story behind how it all began was some adopted individuals, Catherine Shelley, Jim Rockwall, and some adoptive parents just kind of got together uh, and started really a support group for adopted persons. And it was just this one big support group for anyone affected by adoption. And what it grew from from there was they wanted to educate the community. And so they started having individual support groups for for adopted people, a support group for adoptive parents and prospective adoptive Mm -hmm. parents, and a support group for birth parents. It was really to educate each other on their own perspectives and their own journey and adoption. And from there, it grew to hosting an annual conference for adoption professionals so that um, they can get their continuing education credit. Um, And so having educational meetings once a month. uh, So it was really grew organically from just a few people meeting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a, hanging out yeah, to where we are today. That's a common theme we see in like a lot of nonprofits we speak to. Is like they just kind of got together because they believed in something, and it just got more popular as the years went on. And it's just like, well, we got to file as a five hundred one c three now. Right. And that's you know, in adoption, it's especially for adopted persons who are seeking, you know, their identity and searching out reunion with their birth parents and not having access to information that they really want and need to adoptive parents who are trying to educate themselves about adoption and how to be, you know, the best parent they can be to their adopted child. I mean, you're going through something really emotional. And in times like that, you seek connection with other people who are going through the same thing. And, you know, this was really kind of pre-internet. Mm-hmm. and pre-Facebook groups mm-hmm. and, and all of that. and I'm adopted, so I'm like overly excited to talk about this. I was going to ask if either one of you were adopted or just adopters. We are adopters. Adopters. Like we are adoptees. In that category. Parents. So we got two adopters, one adoptee. Then We need a birth mom. Yes, <laughs> yes. Birth parents. Birth parents. Mm-hmm. Where are you at? One of the first things I did once I got the letter saying my birth mom's and birth dad's name. First thing that I did was I went on Facebook and checked to see what they look like. In like the modern day and age, you can do that. But before you wouldn't be able to do that. So with that, and if you don't mind sharing, I mean, how did you get their names? To Was it an agency it that was, provided it to you because they wanted contact? Or? Yeah. So it was through my uh, adoption agency that my parents went through. They had an update in my file and it was a letter from my birth mom. And Aww. she, yeah it was so sweet and I just had this urge to just connect with her and just say thank you and just to tell her that I was okay that's amazing and I went through my adoption agency for the search and find process so Mm -hmm. and that took a long time so it was kind of like ups and downs in that process but all in all yeah 
now now we talk on a pretty regular basis and she's come down to austin actually yeah i met your mom but i met your birth mom before i met your actual or your your adopter mom and it turns out okay what's the proper term to use in this case i can't say your raised mom your i don't know just your mom i guess i don't know the proper term uh, my to use mom in this case. I know. Yeah. well my, labels we love yeah, those labels don't we my i mean hard. my my mom is my yeah ad- okay adopted so I mom. met your birth like my mom, mom. <laughs> like my parents. Yeah, that gets real confusing <laughs> fast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so you can see how like it, it is. These are the exactly the types of issues we mm. address, especially in our support groups, because it's like I, I don't know how to handle this, or you know, adoptive parent who's saying, oh, now they're our our daughter's seeking reunion yeah. with mm. her birth family, and I don't know how to be supportive of that because I'm not supportive, or yeah. you know, and it's it's really the other adoptive parents kind of bringing that parent along like it's going to be okay you know you need to support that journey and also for the adopted person who's like i'm about to meet with my birth mom and i don't know what to do Mm -hmm. and or what to say or maybe i don't want to and Mm -hmm. and so really that's kind of where you know the peer education and support groups come in handy with that to help you kind of cope that's yeah because there's a lot of different people that you're affecting and you don't even realize it until everything starts happening and then things start to happen really fast. This choice is affecting my family, my birth parents' families, their families. There's so many different people involved. I know. We in never one think decision. We never and think that our kids are going to grow up to be adopt, you know, yeah. adults. Yeah. And so everyone's very focused on, you know, what happened yeah. you know, 20 years ago. And you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings either while you're doing it. So you're just like, is everybody okay? <laughs> yeah, well, and that's that's where we, we don't want to put the adopted person in that position where you're taking on all of the burden of everyone else's yeah. choices and mm-hmm. their journeys and their fears. And so... What's the adoption process like and where does AKA fall in, in it? Just as a point of clarity, Adoption Knowledge Affiliates is not an adoption agency. Okay. So, yeah. We're, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so we're not actually yeah. actively involved in okay. any adoption was, process other than, like Jennifer mentioned, sometimes prospective adoptive mm-hmm. parents will start attending our meetings as a, you know, an educational mm-hmm. resource. Mm-hmm. And that's, okay. that's really the role that we play. And if... If you want a specific answer on what the adoption process looks like, there there are actually so many different adoption processes, whether you're talking, Mm -hmm. you know, through the state, through a Mm -hmm. private agency, private independent adoption, or an international adoption, Mm -hmm. which then all of those processes have their own unique, you know, what they look like. So there's... That's maybe a you several just, hour conversation. Yeah, you yeah, just okay. opened, or time, you just we have, opened yeah. a no, giant a can of worms. <laughs> okay. Uh, like state by state, too, it's like open or closed. So in Missouri, it's a closed, closed? closed adoption. So I had to be You're talking about years records? Old. Yeah, like records. I had to be 18 years old in order to start the search and find process. None of the information would be revealed to me. I had to be a certain age. So I I think you're actually, we're sort of hitting on maybe two different points. Mm -hmm. If it's okay, 
I'll, I'll sort of talk about open verse closed, and then you can actually talk about open records access. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. that sounds that good. Okay? Yeah, let's go with that. Um, so that there's what's called open adoption, and in itself, there's a whole spectrum of what that looks like. But in general terms, when a family places a child for adoption and another family adopts that child, an open adoption means there there are some lines of communication open there. Some of them are very open. We get together for mm-hmm. lunch every Sunday, and mm-hmm. others are we send a quarterly update to the you know the birth family or first family via email and that sort of it. Oh. So mm-hmm. huh. there's a whole spectrum of what openness mm-hmm. looks like. But an open again, an open adoption is just that there there in some capacity there's channels of communication that are open between a child's birth family and and their adoptive family. And they know and who then, each other are. They know their that's names. Right. They, there's some identifying information. There's no yeah, that, yeah mm-hmm. there's there are little to no unknowns in in those relationships. Um, and then by contrast, uh, there's what's called closed adoption, which just means in in some cases the two families don't even have names, not even first mm-hmm. names of, of oh, one wow. another. And that's done with the intent that they they can't locate one another. Um, and so a closed adoption, there's a, a legal adoption, and then beyond that, it's sort of a, a done deal. There was a time, and I, I think we've really moved out of that time, where closed options were very much the norm. And today you have a, a lot of adult adoptees who were in closed adoptions that have no no real good avenue. Some of this is changing through modern technology, uh, in, including DNA analysis, and we can touch on that in a moment. Uh, but so, you know, there are a number of adult adoptees today with, with no real good way to try to, to locate, uh, you know, identify or, or even uh, reunify with birth families. But I, I'd say in the past 15 years maybe maybe a little longer like that's really reversed in in open adoptions are i think much more the norm now mm-hmm. where from the time of the adoption onward there there are always these open channels of communication and most adoptees grow up knowing you know in in again a varying degree of mm-hmm. capacities both their you know their birth family first family biological family mm-hmm. however whatever language you like and, as well as obviously their adoptive families but all of that's a bit different than a, a sort of different movement to generate open access to original birth records. I'm going to let Jennifer... Uh, quick question. Oh, yeah. What's the motivation for having a closed adoption process then? I think that you'd want someone like, if you're adopted, you want to reach out to who gave birth to you. Why would like the states or organizations close off those records? So I think it's fair to say, and I think we would all agree you know three of us being involved in mm. adoption in some yeah. capacity and but even just being insightful individuals right there's a lot of emotion that mm. goes along yes. with adoption you know i think there was a time where just the general thinking was that a closed adoption is a reasonable way to try to mitigate some of the emotion that goes along with all of this okay. for the sake of all of those involved i think now most people feel that was folly that that yes, while there's emotions, some of which are very tough, mm-hmm. that really the the better way to ultimately sort of deal with all that is sort of go the open adoption route, 
knowing sometimes this is this is going to be tough, but mm-hmm. in the end, uh, we're all better. And really, the, you know, the emotions and difficult parts, as well as the some of the valuable parts of adoption, are all better experienced in open adoption. So it again, I I think the thinking, and I wasn't there at the time and wasn't involved, um, was that closed adoption somehow was was just better for all parties involved. It's, it's like a protection, I guess. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Or for the individual, kind of the what the professionals were recommending, you know, back in the, the 60s and 70s or even 50s was, you know, that it's better for the child that they not know that they're mm-hmm. adopted. Um, and research has shown since then that that's yeah. not the case. Mm-hmm. And sometimes today, you know, with closed adoptions, um, if a birth parent really, 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 really wants it to be closed um, for emotional reasons, um, you know, they may request that it be closed, but usually you'll see those types of adoptions open up later. It may be just, you know, that birth parent didn't have the resources that he or she needed to really cope with breaking their fear they're going to bond with the child and then not be able to place that child for adoption. So there's just, there's all kinds of different reasons, but luckily we're at a a stage today where openness is really advocated for Mm -hmm. and most adoption agencies and of course with organizations like ours that are educating the community more and more. Yeah, and I definitely need education right now because I know it, I'm so ignorant about adoption. I just know about like what you went through, mm-hmm. so I know. Yeah, there's really kind of a, a a push to open you know the closed records. So back in the '70s, records were closed, birth records mainly, and adoption records, so that the public couldn't have access to those records. And now there's the movement to restore access to those records. Um, Here in Texas, you can't even access your birth records at the age of 18 unless you know both of your birth parents' names. And they have to appear exactly, like you have to know exactly how it appears on the birth certificate to even get it, which is... What? Tough, yeah. Yeah. Um, and all adoption records with the at the court level are sealed. And so you have two separate things. You have your court records, which is where you know the the adoption um, was ordered. Mm-hmm. That's sealed. And then you have your birth certificate is sealed. Your original birth certificate is sealed with the vital statistics. Oh. Hmm. So you will only get your amended birth certificate, which will have your adoptive parents' information. That's the only thing you can get access to unless you've already discovered who your birth parents are through other <laughs> methods, which is usually DNA testing, mm-hmm. Facebook. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've seen this. You've probably seen people holding up signs on a Facebook mm-hmm. video or picture saying, I'm looking for... Yeah. Yeah. My birth mother who gave birth to a child on such and such date mm-hmm. in this such and such town. Um, and they're really outing their birth parents who may not want yeah. to uh, <laughs> be outed that way. Yeah. And so or you have people climbing family trees on Ancestry mm-hmm. and all those different DNA websites. And so relatives of the birth parents are or starting to put put it together and then outing that birth parent to mm. the adopted child. So oh, that's a really complicated process to figure out. Who oh birth yeah, to you. yeah. It's you want me really... to, can I speak more to that for a moment? Mm-hmm. So birth records in Texas, for all practical purposes, are closed. Uh, you can the a court may grant you access to them, but that in and of itself is a whole other process. A very the, difficult f- process. Yeah, for the past two legislative sessions here in Texas, there has been legislation proposed that hasn't passed, but should it, it would allow persons adopted in Texas at the time that they're 18 
to have access to their original birth records. Some other provisions in the way the legislation is written is that retroactively, families that have placed children for adoption in Texas would be able to put a contact preference form on file with the state, and any you know new adoptions taking place that contact preference form form would be filed at like at the time of the adoption. I don't know that I'll nail it verbatim, but the the basic contact preferences are, yes, I would love to be contacted. Thank you. Two, I don't want to be contacted, but I'm happy to provide medical history on Mm -hmm. our family. And three, I'd prefer not to be contacted at all. Charlie, you know, you had said a moment ago yeah. that you, you had this realization when you started thinking about yeah. and approaching reunification. Wow, this really affects, like, there's a lot of people involved yeah. here. And so, you know, I think one of the advantages over, one of the advantages of, rather, uh, access to original birth certificates is what, what's happening now. And this is what Jennifer was saying, is you, you submitted a sample for DNA analysis to one of the, you know, the big places, companies doing that now. You say, yeah, I'd like to be matched with people that that as closely as you can match. Mm-hmm. And most people that do that get second cousin, what are called second cousin hits, right? So they, they get information back that says, well, this other person who submitted a sample and agreed to have it matched against others in our system is actually your second cousin. Here's their information. Wow. And so an adoptee contacts a second cousin that says, you know, hi, my name is so-and-such. And according to our DNA analyses, we're second cousins. Yeah. I was adopted, born in this year and adopted, and I'm trying to backtrack my way to, you know, my birth family. And so this is happening all the Mm -hmm. time. But also what's happening is there are a lot of people getting brought into that reunification equation, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, And so uh, I think of an advantage to open access to original birth records is you're you're not having to sort of backtrack the family tree Mm -hmm. to get back there, and you're not involving others in in that equation, right? Mm-hmm. Like I said, okay. there can be really big emotions around yeah. this stuff. I think the overwhelming majority of reunifications ultimately are are really pretty positive, but not all are. Mm-hmm. And so I personally perceive value in an adoptee being able, assuming that, you know, their their birth family has said, Yeah, we would like to be contacted, just being able to just contact their birth families mm-hmm. and then take it from there. Because oftentimes extended family, second cousins, etc., may not even know there was ever an adoption yeah Yeah. so you we a lot of stuff maybe starts to get aired out that nobody is you know intending to Mm -hmm. air out Mm -hmm. because this is the only this currently is sort of the only avenue i have towards like trying to get in touch with like you know my origins Mm -hmm. so for that reason alone i I perceive a lot of value in legislation that would would permit Mm -hmm. adoptees in texas to have access to their original birth record their own information yeah i I had to pay money to get my own information i was there at the birth you know like i was there like i had to pay how much you need to pay I guess it depends on the state, but well, still. I had to pay the adoption agency three hundred dollars for the search and find. Wow! So it's not only taxing to you emotionally; it's taxing to you financially. But that too. was in Missouri, right? So, well, Charlie, you're hitting on another interesting point that I'm yeah. actually going to drop in Jennifer's lap again. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> but because she can, she can speak to something that happened here, you know, recently, and that is private adoption agencies mm-hmm. close, and when they oh, do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Them becoming like the the intermediary, the yeah. intercessionary between adoptees mm-hmm. and 
and birth families, like they cease to be able to serve in that capacity. So then what do you do? Exactly. (laughs) But I mean, this is very Uh, real because it happened here Right, it happened, well, with Independent Adoption Center, which is one of the largest Mm -hmm. adoption agencies in the country. They closed abruptly, filed bankruptcy. And the method for them to be able to, of course, they no longer serve as the intermediary. Now it becomes the state's responsibility. So Independent Adoption Center had to send all of their records for the Texas families to Texas Vital Statistics. And then, of course, for you to open those records, um, if you were here in Texas and born in Texas and your adoption was here in Texas, you would have to go to the court to unseal those records. And the court would say you'd have to prove good cause, which Mm -hmm. is nobody really knows (laughs) what that means because it varies from court to court, county to county, um, to open those records. Um, And then the court may appoint an intermediary, which is usually a social worker who has some special training or a licensed counselor, to where you have to get one hour of counseling. The birth parent has to get an hour of, oh of counseling for you to be able to reunify. Uh. And then, yeah, it just goes on and on. So you never really get that identifying information mm-hmm. straight on. It's The court really wants to protect the identities and make sure that the birth parents want the reunification if they're still alive I yeah. mean there's and then there's no method if they've passed away it's mm-hmm. like well they're probably not going to release that information to you so again that's where you see a lot of folks just saying well forget this I don't want to yeah. spend thousands of dollars yeah. to open up these files when I don't have it number one and secondly I'll just go on Facebook or I'll go on mm-hmm. uh, one of the D- DNA testing sites to to get the information and hope that you have a match but then there's folks mm-hmm. who don't get matches because those relatives haven't mm-hmm. you know uploaded their own DNA so in my instance too I had to wait for my birth father to give approval in order for my birth mom's information to be delivered to me if he would have said no I don't want contact it could have stopped the process oh, really you had to get permission so from both permission from both just to get one in or yeah so that caused a lot of anxiety i know that my birth mom wants to share the information but what if my birth father doesn't and it's completely up to him too so those two are probably talking about oh, yes, yes maybe or maybe yeah, not yes. it was interesting it was a roller coaster well, and that's what's it's so complex because all these different states have different rules. And so, mm-hmm. you know, with this society as we are, we're moving mm-hmm. from state to state. And it would be nice to just have uniform, unrestricted access yeah. for all yeah. just to eliminate all these problems. But then, of course, comes in a whole other host of mm-hmm. issues because people may not be prepared for unification, mm-hmm. you know, and how do you bring them along and get them to seek the support that they need to be able to do that in a, in a good way. You want yeah. it to be a good reunion. And AKA is only Texas based, right? Do you have an outreach in different States? Or? Um, we are Texas based. Um, there are different organizations that, you know, promote kind of the same mm-hmm. openness and transparency and adoption, the Donaldson adoption Institute adoption Congress. So there's, there's different organizations, but we focus on Texas and mainly central Texas is kind of where our greatest um, mm. outreach is right now. But we would love to expand <laughs> further. But we're a volunteer run organization, mm. so we can reach as far as our volunteers yeah. are available yeah. to reach. Well, yeah, just have so. to move to a different state and say, can you set up shop there? Someone goes to Colorado. I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. set up shop there. 
aka Colorado. That's a it's a great vision, yeah, <laughs> for us to be able to to move forward. That would be great. Uh, one thing I forgot to ask at the beginning is how did you two get involved with AKA? Since you said that you've been there since the beginning, pretty much. No, but. <laughs> no, sorry. About AKA's origins and the mm-hmm. adoptees that that first got together sort of started hanging out around a commonality and a common cause. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm asking for clarity here because I may be a bit fuzzy on my AKA history. But even <laughs> even then, 25 years ago, birth certificate access was part of what they came together around. Isn't right. that correct? Right. So just about every legislative session, there's been some sort of bill introduced to, to open up the records. And so AKA has been a part of that advocacy for that. um, And also just educating the community about that. But as far as how I got involved, I've been on the board. This is my third year and my first year as president. I adopted my daughter in 2012 and panicked. Because I didn't know what to. I mean, I've been in the adoption, an adoption professional. Yeah, I'm an attorney, and so I've I've done a lot of adoptions. Mm-hmm. But when I became a parent, and I and the judge, I don't know, it was just something kind of about that day. It was very mm-hmm. sobering, where he was just like, "You have a duty to this child yeah. to do what's in her best interest," and and I just took that to heart. It was like I okay, I need to educate myself about what it is to be an adoptive parent, what my child needs from me to support her journey. And so I went to an AKA meeting and just automatically was like, okay, this is a place where I can raise my hand. I can ask some really heart-wrenching questions that hopefully someone will help get an answer to. And then I just became more involved after that. And it's really offered to me, a whole new perspective from the adopted person's perspective, just saying, okay, my daughter's going to be asking me these types of questions, and I need to be prepared with some sort of answer to help her get the answers she needs. And so I've been very grateful to, to AKA and all the, the members for, for that. Yeah, I got involved. So a number of years ago, it's weird because I'm, I'm like timelining things according to legislative sessions. Uh, <laughs> So not this past legislative session, but right after the closing of the the one prior, I had found out about the open birth certificate access legislation, found out it had been narrowly defeated, was curious about that, and so somehow networked my way to another Adoption Knowledge Affiliates board member who had been really involved in that uh, and just called her because I just wanted some more information. I think that was the beginning of a a friendship working relationship. And so not quite a year ago now with it was time for the board to sort of change up. They were looking for some people to fill positions on the board. And she approached me and said, would you consider being involved, you know, with the board of AKA? And so I said, sure. I'd been to a couple meetings at that point, And one of the things I really like, you know, AKA in a lot of ways seems unique and that I think its main mission maybe is to really be sort of a unique, um, I find I'm hesitant to say safe place now because that's like a, like, comes <laughs> yeah. with all sorts of charge, yeah. charge, but really like, you know, it's a, it is focused on being a meeting place for all members of what we call the adoption triad. So that's birth families, adoptees, and adoptive 
families. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll explain the logo then. Okay. Yeah, that explains three triangle puzzle pieces. Three puzzle pieces that make a triangle. <laughs> right. I love that their I think their foremost mission was like we're a place where where all corners of that triangle get to come together. Mm-hmm. Uh, work not to only educate each other or help each other understand the perceptions that come or experiences rather that come with being in, in any one part of that triangle, but then also outwardly to to be a real sort of advocate and educational voice for these are issues related to adoption or these are the experiences that you know come with being a, a birth family or an adoptee or an adoptive family and so try to be an advocacy and educational presence in the community and i was attracted to that and so got involved yeah and and the thing about aka where i found is you know you're gonna have some tough conversations and you're gonna hear some things you didn't want to hear um but that's you need to hear that i mean that's where each other's voice becomes really important because you know you're not just pursuing oh well i want to see what other adoptive parents think about Mm -hmm. this and you're not growing from other perspectives if you just focus on one perspective Uh and so that's yeah the tough conversations are it's really important i think i just find it so cool too that adopted parents all of a sudden just one day you have a kiddo (laughs) because you've been you've been waiting you might be waiting for a year or who knows how long you have to wait i know that my parents were on a list so they they didn't know when exactly you don't know when you're gonna gonna get get the call call. Hmm. yeah but then they get the call and it's like wow can't even imagine the pure happiness of that call well and then there's grief that goes along with that because you're like i'm so happy but then the woman in the next room and the man in the next room yeah. are having, you know, the worst mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. day of their lives, you know. And so yeah. it's like there's really this appreciation for that suffering in the other mm-hmm. side of the room. And it's a very it's a sobering, joyful, um, humbling event. But that's why I think openness is, is so important to so that we're not all kind of kept in the dark about mm-hmm. what the journeys are. And, you know, even with my child's family her birth family you know we're not as open as I would like to be I mean Mm -hmm. it's kind of sometimes it's really really open and sometimes it's not but we have respect for each other's Mm -hmm. you know boundaries and continuing to just be open period to whatever in communicating you know Mm -hmm. what those struggles are I Mm -hmm. guess back then when my birth mom had me you could be in the hospital for like a longer amount of time after your pregnancy but now it's like okay boom you're out yeah That's it's like released within 24 yeah. hours you know <laughs> so, like, oh, wow. but um but she said she was thankful for that time with me because she just wanted to hold me as long as she could so that was oh, like when really I heard that, I was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> really touching. it's just been really cool to be a part of all that triangle to see from all the different sides. Now I know the experience that everyone had to go through, but it also is a lot more emotions from it because you realize what your parents had to go through, what your birth family had to go through. Well, you guys are both awesome. Yeah, I mean, you have to put a face to the experience, you know, yeah. and just be like, oh, happy the child was delivered and it's in my yeah. arms. It's like, no, there's a whole journey that just happened, Yeah, you know, between, you know, the birth and then mm. from the time, you know, the child's placed in the adoptive parent's arms and we have to really honor that. Oh, this is a lot deeper than I thought it would be. <laughs> I'd be like, 
Yeah, we get families together and they're happily ever after. <laughs> nope. So naive, There's a I'm lot so of emotions. Uh, do you have any stories you want to share? That, like Any like happy success stories that happened with an AKA that... I think that might be notable for the podcast. Oh, wow. They happen but, all the time. Yeah, it's like, but there's a lot to talk about. And there's about. a lot of sad stuff, too. I mean, especially from the adoptees who, you know, they're they're in their 70s now or, mm. you know, and they didn't have, they didn't have any information about their oh, birth family until they're in their oh, 70s. That sounds really man. hard to deal with. Yeah. And so that's why you, your heart just goes out to those folks who are struggling to know who they are, mm-hmm. you know, to get their birth certificates, to reunite with that, their birth families. Uh, but no, there's, there's always, there's happy families. I love when um, birth parents and adoptive parents come to the meetings together mm-hmm. um, and, or you can show, or you can see that the, the relationship is there. And that's just like, wow, that is so inspirational mm-hmm. to me. Um, which is my daughter's really young. She's four. And so I want to, one day maybe I'll be yeah. able to, to go to a meeting with um, our entire blended family. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are, those are things I like to see. Bids. <laughs> but right, well. the question that we always ask is if AKA could represent like a superhero which superhero would they be? You can make up a superhero, or it could be a superhero that's already out there. It's a super interesting and <laughs> even maybe particularly analytical question in this case, because I don't know like if you pay particular attention to the plot lines mm-hmm. of the the life stories of most superheroes. Oh, yeah. It's, it's been but, discussed and oh, analyzed yeah. by organizations. But yeah. adoption is... is a recurring theme. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it is. Planets. Yeah, it's it's Batman. more yeah. highly represented in superhero plot lines than it is in you know in the yeah. general yeah. public. Yeah. So except maybe Disney. I mean, well, I think even Disney's got got some in there. So mm-hmm. well, they own but, Marvel now, so they own like half yeah. the superheroes. So who stuff. would? I don't know. We have to choose one. You can choose a yeah, whole like entire Superman, superhero squad. Spider-Man. Yeah. Raised by his grandparents. I mean, we're... we're his aunt and uncle. Or his aunt and uncle. Yeah. <gasps> oh, oh, no. <laughs> Better get it right. Yeah. Superman, Batman's raised by Alfred. Right? I mean, I'm there's... I'm feeling like I don't know. So, <laughs> this is yeah. the most exciting conversation that we've had about the superhero. Because we always ask this question, and most people are like, uh, crickets. Like crickets. 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 I mean, if you think about it, it's like Superman came from another planet, and that might be kind of how adopted persons feel. It's uh-huh. just like trying to seek their identity yeah. and always yearning mm-hmm. to be yeah. connected to their birth family. But that's just way. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Superman's it, cool. Superman's an interesting one because uh. I, we don't know why Peter Parker's being raised by his aunt and uncle, oh, do we? That's Spider-Man. Yeah, that's Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I'm going to compare and contrast here. <laughs> no, and of course, his, his uncle dies, right? Yeah. Uh, and he carries a lot of guilt about that. You know, Batman's parents are, are killed in an alley. But this Superman's adoption story, as I just think through all the superheroes, is the only one that like really involves a relinquishment, uh, right? I mean, his... Mm-hmm. Jarrell is that his dad's name? Uh-huh. Yeah, I can't remember oh his, <laughs> no, his actually, mom's name. No, actually, I think so because I used to watch Smallville all yeah. the time, uh, okay. and I think it was right. Like Jarell, like Kryptonite's something. on the. 
the verge of, or Krypton rather, yeah. is on the verge of completely imploding. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they make a relinquishment decision. Yeah. Uh, and in that storyline, I, I think most arguably because they feel it's in the best interest of, you know, Superman, Kal-El. And oh, so that's like, it, there are a lot this of really great. interesting parallels, right? In that superhero story. Uh-huh. And sort of what we what we talk about at AKA. So maybe we would have to go with Superman. Yeah, that's a good choice. Yeah, this is really maybe great. we need a new mascot now. <laughs> Superman. Are you adopted like me? Wait, I'm adopted? Kyle. What? We talked about this in the intro and in the interview. You're adopted. Oh yeah. Do you know okay. who you should go to though? I yeah, I think <laughs> I need to go to adoption knowledge affiliates right now. And you can find them in a lot of different places. At adoptionknowledge.org. You can also keep up to date on Facebook.com slash adoption knowledge affiliates or on Twitter at aka underscore TX. I'm feeling down about the world. There's a twenty-four-seven news cycle just exhaust you with all the news. Well, never fear. Everyday Superhumans is here. You can restore your faith in humanity at everydaysuperhumans.com where you can learn all about the people making the world a better place each and every day. You can also follow us on Twitter at SuperhumansCast, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash everydaysuperhumans, and check out our Instagram at everydaysuperhumans. Have you lost all faith in humanity? Well, we're here to save your day. But make sure to rate and subscribe to Everyday Superhumans on iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, or whatever you get your podcasts. And if you're feeling really generous, be sure to donate to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash everydaysuperhumans. And remember, not every hero has to fly, so grab your cape and let's go. Let's go.